It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 954 of Lockdown Raptors for Thursday, May the 27th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the podcast at Lockdown Raptors as well. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Lockdown Podcast Network. we got tons of great stuff going for you, covering all of the very intense sports goings-on in both the NHL playoffs as your Toronto Maple Leafs go for advancement tonight against Montreal. If you want to listen to Lockdown on Leafs. I believe there was a crossover with Locked On Canadians that you can go listen to today. Uh, it, it pains me to say that the hosts of Locked On Canadians are absolute delights, and you would probably enjoy that podcast as well if you like delightful people. Uh, of course, we've got the basketball playoffs covered as well. Lots of good stuff cooking there. Uh, it's appreciated whenever you support by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing on all the podcast platforms you use. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. More on them a little bit later on in the show. On today's show, we are continuing the Season from Hell in Review series. We're going to dive into each player on the team and probably the coach and executives and stuff as well and just kind of look at what happened, look at what went well, what went wrong, all that stuff. And today, sort of continuing the trend of positive conversations as we started yesterday with OG Ananobi, we're going to dive all into Fred Van Vliet, who was, again, one of the bright spots of the Raptors season until he wasn't because he missed most of the last two months with various maladies, including COVID-19. Joining me to talk about Fred Van Vliet and all the different uh, things that went down with him this season, as well as to look ahead to the future, is the managing editor of Raptors Republic. He's a freelancer for 538. He writes Minute Basketball. He's all over the place. It's Louis Zatzman. Louis, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Sean. So good to, to be here, man. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear your voice as well. Uh, you remain the last person I uh, saw like in person before, uh, like like last Raptors person I saw in person uh, before everything went to shit last year because uh, you were in my house recording an episode on like March 10th or something like that. Uh, that was a fun about, day. About how great everything was. And then, of course, everything <laughs> got real not great after that. Um, it was a fun day. And this should be a fun podcast. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet. Uh, we're going to start this off the way we typically do with all of these episodes, or at least uh, I'm hoping to typically do it. We're only in the second episode of the series, but uh, we're going to take sort of a grand sort of scope and look at our biggest takeaways from Fred Van Vliet's season. Louis Zatzman, what was your biggest overarching thing that you're still thinking about? The thing you're taking away most from watching Fred Van Vliet play basketball this season? Yeah, uh, my biggest takeaway would be that this is your guy. Like, if you have Fred mm-hmm. Van Fleet on board, um, nine times out of ten, you're going to be an amazing team. 
Um, like Fred Van Fleet is one of the only things I think along with OG, you're starting out on the right, right foot, who is pretty well tough to criticize for any part of what went wrong this season. Yeah, I think that's really well put. He was outstanding. And sort of my big takeaway from his year is that he, for me, sort of changed what I thought his sort of peak could be. I really was skeptical that he could be like a starting point guard on a good team. I thought, you know, playing off of Kyle Lowry really sort of freed him up to um, lean into his strengths a lot. He was kind of helped out by that. And I was a little unsure, like, you know, the dribble happiness, the inability to score at the basket, the sort of difficulty breaking guys down, that was all sort of stuff that was sort of lingering over me and any sort of optimism I wanted to have about what, about what Fred's ceiling could be. And this year, he kind of proved that even if he doesn't have that elite finishing at the basket, or if he is a little too small to, you know, properly be like a go-to number one option all the time, kind of starting every offensive possession... He's still more than capable, and he's also adapted all the sort of stuff on the margins that we know and love Kyle Lowry for. You know, Fred's on-off numbers were excellent this season. He drove winning in a way that he hasn't before, in a way that Kyle, frankly, didn't this season um, with his sort of stop-and-start season that he had. And Fred did drive all those metrics, and they were excellent when he was on the floor more often than not. He... Obviously improved his scoring output and stuff like that too. His efficiency, you know, it's going to be middling, I think, probably. It's it's tough to expect a guy who can't really score at the basket to be a 60% true shooting guy. And this season he was at uh, 53.4% true shooting, which is not what you want necessarily. But even then, he does really profile as the kind of guy who even through lopsided shooting nights and, you know, maybe you sort of focus on the uh, on the bad parts a little bit in, in certain instances, all the good stuff is going to outweigh it all. And he feels like he's absolutely a keeper and is the kind of guy who, whether his stat line is impressive or not, he's doing things basically every possession that are trying to help the team win. And that is pretty cool to me. Um, do you kind of agree there, Lewis? Like, did you see, uh, maybe you came into the season kind of already thinking Fred was that guy, but uh, how did this season alter your sort of view on, um, you know, where he kind of slots into the Raptors long-term in terms of, you know, you can actually turn the keys over to him and have him be the main guy. All that stuff. I, I agree with, with virtually everything there. I think I probably, as you hinted at, was higher on him than most coming into the year. I, I thought he probably was that guy before he, you know, despite his finishing at the rim struggles and he continues to struggle finishing at the rim. Uh, it's weird to say, you know, he's the guy in a season. They were just so far below 500, uh, right? It's just, it's a weird thing to use this season as proof because Fred was the leader of the team for so long. I mean, the first half of the season, certainly he was, uh, driving winning to an extent that Pascal, Kyle, OG, none of them were. Um, and even though he faded a little bit towards the end, a lot of that, as you correctly mentioned, had to do with COVID. Um, he still ended up with just by far the, the best impact numbers, the best on-off numbers among all the stars of the team. He um, dribbled less, he attacked more, he passed quicker. Um, towards the end of the year, he shifted his game into the mid-range a lot in the last few games he played, which was really neat to see him sort of experimenting with other ways to get a shot off. Uh, became a pull-up shooter from three. He's always attempted it. He became a good one this year for the first time. A lot of little stuff around the edges. But I think what's really important to me about Fred this year is not just on the court, 
him being a leader, but yeah. what this season meant for him off the court. It's really hard to differentiate his season from, um, you know, the Raptors sort of struggles emotionally uh, and intellectually in Florida. Sure. There were times where he was talking about, you know, struggling um, and, and his teammates struggling and really feeling for them and, and having to be there for them. He spoke about what it meant to be a, a human, a man, you know, who is one in every situation his entire life. He's won everything. And these are absurdly competitive people. Mm-hmm. And then there's the first year where he's, I mean, he said in this incredible, incredible post season uh, availability, like, you know, he finally achieved everything this year. He became the offensive leader. You know, he's been the locker room leader now for a few years. Um, he got his huge sack of cash. He is the guy. He is what he's always dreamed of being. They won a championship. And now, after all of his goals, all of his dreams, his lifelong dreams were achieved, is when he experiences losing for the first time. Yeah. What does that mean for him? Who is he as a person after that? And I think this season, as much as we talk about the on-court stuff, is really important to keep in mind. We're going to find out the answers to all those questions over the next few years as well. Yeah, that's a that's a really well laid point, and yeah, we're we're really not. This is, I think, not exclusive to just the basketball players. It's going to take a long time, I think, to reckon with what the pandemic meant for everybody, right? And yeah, um, it's important to remember that basketball players are very much part of that, especially basketball players who play for the team that was unquestionably the most affected by the pandemic on a whole bunch of different levels. Um, so yeah, and I mean, I got to say. The returns on like Fred kind of turning that situation into a positive and and sort of helping to weather the like helping the team weather and all that stuff is pretty promising. Like he seems like he very much is like up to the leadership mantle and all of that stuff and brings every possible intangible element you could possibly want a guy to have. Um, uh, It's just every time I hear him talk, honestly, I think. Well, damn, the Raptors are in good hands. Every time he yeah. talks, it's like therapy for thinking about a world where Kyle Lowry is not on the Raptors. Because it's like, well, at least Fred's going to be there. And Fred is everything you'll, you'd want from a leader of a team. And yeah, you know, maybe he's not the guy. It, it, I don't think he is. I think he's the third best player on the team, you know, by the end of next season, probably, with the way OG's tracking right now. And that's totally fine. He's still going to be the clubhouse leader. He's going to be the guy everybody, I think, looks to and sort of looks for the sort of guidance and steadiness that he provides. And that's a beautiful thing. It's great to have that on board. And whatever the team looks like going forward and whatever alterations are made, you know, Fred Van Vliet to me is uh, very clearly a big part of whatever they're going to have going on. It's... um, Shout out to Fred, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> so this Ride entire episode is going to be. Yeah. Um, so some numbers get... here. I just, sorry well, yeah, to, to cut you let's off. Let's get the numbers in a sec because I, I got, we got to a quick break. So we'll jump on the other side with some numbers and kind of dig into the improvement for Fred uh, in, a, in a deep way in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are making it easy to not spend all the money at the mechanic when they have you in your most vulnerable state. Your car is in need of something that is broken and you need to fix it. And you're sitting there like, well, I need my car. I need it now. Uh, I guess I'll pay the full freight for whatever part I need. You shouldn't do that. You should instead go to rockauto.com and get the parts you need and then tell the mechanic, this is the part you're putting on my card. Go and do it. Uh, it's a wonderful 
wonderful, wonderful product service. They're amazing. They are a family business as well. who have been operating for 20 years. Their catalog is so easy to navigate. It is quick. It is easy. You just type in the make, model, year, and the part you need for your car. You don't just get one option. You get multiple options and brands and prices to choose from. It's a great deal. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your vehicle. Write locked on in their had you hear about us box. They know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Lewis, uh, before I cut you off there to uh, get to a break, we were going to dive into some numbers. You were teasing it. Uh, what do you got? You got some Fred Van Vliet stats you want to throw my way? Do your worst. Oh, yeah. So we were talking <laughs> about whether he's the guy. And I wanted to, you know, answer some of that question. Uh, okay. Just minute, minutes leaders on the season. Uh, Fred was third. He averaged, not total, but averaged the third most minutes per game. And among all those guys, Julius Randle, James Harden, first, second, Russell Westbrook, fourth. Uh, Fred Van Fleet actually had his team per minute, you know, per game when he was out there, outscored the Raptors, outscored opponents with Fred on the court more than Brooklyn outscored opponents with Harden on the court, more than the Knicks outscored opponents with Randall on the court, more than Sabonis with Indiana. It was, it was crazy. The only guys in the top 10, the only guy in the top 10 who had a better plus minus per game than Fred was Dame. Um, who is eighth in minutes and Fred was third. That's crazy. That's something that people don't really think about when they think about this season. But when Fred was on the court, the Raptors were like a 50 plus win team. Right. Yeah. He's uh he drives winning in a way that he did not last year. Right. Like it was something that, you know, it was sort of the dirty little secret of the team is they're really still only good when Kyle's out there. And like, yeah, the, Fred was good and, and was a positive contributor, but was never really able to carry those bench lineups or in between lineups. And this year it was not that case at all. And it's just sort of, it seems like he's really just kind of taken the mantle from Kyle and he's just going to be that guy who leads uh, like humps to positive net ratings uh, at any turn. In addition to of course the starting fives he plays with as well in the, in the starter heavy lineups. Um, you know, in terms of improvement this year, where would you say he improved the most? You know, there were lots of different areas where he kind of brought it on a different level, I think. Um, you know, it might just be more sort of a incremental, every little thing was kind of improved a little bit. I'm curious what you think, if there's one thing in particular that you sort of looked at Fred and said, oh, damn, that guy got a lot better at that, and that was a big driver of his sort of improved statistical output. I think pull-up shooting would be, would be yeah. the one biggest thing. Um, he's always liked pull-up threes, but he's never been good at them. So last sure. year he attempted three a game and shot, you know, he made less than a third, 32.7%. Um, this year he shot more than one more pull-up three per game. He shot 4.1 and made 35%, 35.3. So, you know, it only went up 3% or so. But if you look at the, you know, the output of a shot that's a pull-up three, which is about the hardest shot in basketball, right? Like it's 
very difficult. And he went from that being a below average offensive outcome. You know, if he attempted one last year, it's worth less than a point. And if he attempted one this year, it's worth more than a point. That's a fairly big gap. It went from below average offense based on that to uh, an average offense based on that, which is a huge gap. And so much of his game can flow when teams are defending him uh, in a way that they're threatened by the pull-up three. I mean, his pick-and-roll passing, which is good, not great yet, but very good, um, is unlocked a lot more. Uh, he creates easier shots for himself at the rim. He's very good at converting easy ones. It's the hard ones he's quite poor at. Um, he just terrorizes defense when he touches the paint and just gets to dance around and pick out passes. And all of that comes with just improving his pull-ups, nudging it up from bad to pretty good. And, and mm-hmm. that's enough. I mean, he's not Steph yet, but he doesn't have to be to be very, very good. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. For me, I think the thing I'm most impressed with is just his improvement as a pick-and-roll operator. And that you know, part mm-hmm. of that is the pull-up threat and having that be a part of his, his sort of arsenal. But, you know, what was the biggest criticism of Fred years past? It is the over-dribbling. It is, oh, God, you know, they're 18 seconds into a possession and Fred hasn't done anything with the ball yet. This year, it feels like he's really kind of gotten into stuff faster or he did get into stuff faster he didn't sort of dawdle around with the ball for 12 seconds to start a possession he would call for his screen immediately and and go to work you know he found chemistry with bigs uh you know not Aaron Baines uh, because no one did but everyone else like that was always the thing with him too right you know thinking of him like trying to throw lobs to Bebe Noguera the easiest guy to throw a lob to and that was always a struggle um you know the inability to find surge with the pocket pass for a long time all that stuff kind of went away and he was just like a very capable and reliable ball handler who could get the ball where it needed to go. And I also think the fact that he kind of expanded as a playmaker out of drives, I believe the the tracking data suggests that he led the league in passes out of drives and was near the top of the league in drives themselves. And yes, maybe it becomes a bit predictable if you're always passing out of your drives because you can't finish at the basket. But to me, that also feels like a pretty good way to compensate for your lack of finishing at the rim is if you can touch paint anyway and, you know, discombobulate the defense and then kick it out effectively. Like that is kind of overcoming. That's a bit of a counter to your lack of finishing around the basket. That may never come just because he's barely six feet tall and it's just tough for the guy for, for guys to finish in space like that. Um, you know, at the start of the season, I thought his finishing at the rim was improved. It went down. He ended up having a worse shooting season from inside three feet than he did the year before. Um, and I, th- I think it might have been a career low, actually, for him. 53% from zero to three feet. Actually, not a career low. It's his third worst. But uh, he was at 55% the year before. Um, but yeah, if you're turning those possessions where you're getting into the paint and kicking him up for three, yeah, the Raptors had some issues knocking him down and stuff like that. Um, but overall, pretty good three-point shooting team as things evened out and when they were at their best. I don't know. Th- th- does that do you feel like a good enough sort of thing to compensate for his lack of finishing at the rim? Is that sort of increased drive and kick ability that we really saw on display this year? Totally. And they're tied together. I mean, that's the thing about basketball is um, your pull-up shooting and your pick and roll play are, you know, two sides of the same, like four or five sided coin. Uh, That's where the metaphor falls apart. (laughs) Um, But I completely agree with you, right? Like his pick and roll was fantastic. Um, The best of his career, 2021, it, it nudged, into average for a starting point guard. Um, When he shot the ball, it was even better when he was the one who shot out of his pick and rolls. Actually, um, he was about equivalent to Kyle this year in terms of efficiency running the pick and roll and better in terms of if the guard shot the ball, he was the best guard, the best player on the team this year for pick and rolls, which is 
um, which is no small feat for someone who, like you say, um, had struggles in that in the past, you know, had, had struggling, uh, had struggles hitting Serge Ibaka as the roller in particular. Mm -hmm. Uh, he showed, uh, more chemistry with Kim Birch than he had with Aaron Baines, obviously. Um, and all of it is like, I think the thing about Fred is none of it was a huge leap. You know, he didn't take a Pascal Siakam most improved leap in any area, but when you tick up in so many different spaces, that really does explain why he, uh, we're talking about him as the guy in a year where everything went wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the thing with all the little incremental improvements, you know, I made the point and I have made it a couple times. I think if the Raptors did have a, a most improved candidate this year, I know OG would have been the sexy pick, but I think Fred kind of had more all encompassing improvement everywhere. And he would have been my pick. Um, the most important thing I think, and we've touched on this in the past as well is the mid range shooting and adding that to his repertoire as well as another thing to sort of compensate for the lack of finishing at the rim. Instead of driving all the way to the rim, if you can pull up from 12 feet, that's something. And this year we saw, uh, per basketball reference, his percentage of field goals from 10 to 16 feet went from 38 or 3.8% to 6.9, uh, percentage of field goal attempts uh, from 16 to three point range went from 6% to 9.5. So, you know, small increases, but, you know, market enough. And the percentages there from 10 to 16 feet, he went from 27.6% last year to 43.3 this year. That's an enormous jump. Uh, Similar jump, uh, 32.6 from 16 to three point range last year, up to 38.6 this year. Um, You know, you'll need those numbers to tick up a little bit more. You want closer to 50% on those mid ranges if possible, especially considering the lack of finishing around the basket. But those improvements are uh, super encouraging for where he can go. And as he sort of, again, kind of tries to compensate for the areas that he's just physically never going to be able to, to improve in, um, that's that's really promising stuff. It, we would be remiss if we didn't take a second to talk about his defense as well. I mean, he is a freaking terror. I think if the Raptors have an all-defense player this year, as much as OG probably deserves it more just by being a more sort of impactful, all-encompassing defender, the versatility and all that, Fred's just like knack for menacing. It really feels all defense worthy. And I think had the Raptors had a better season, both he and OG are probably on an all defense team. He's a monster. You know, we've known this since, I mean, the finals, I guess, against Steph were kind of his first coming out party. But this year really felt like every single time down the floor, the defense has to be worried about what this little five foot eleven terror is doing because he's going to cause something to screw up your day. Whether it's digging down, whether it's just ripping the ball out of your hands as you try to go up for a like a dunk or whatever. You know, the strip on Giannis is maybe the highlight of the season for the Raptors, and I don't even need to really give much context. Everyone knows what that is. Um, quick thoughts on Fred VanVleet's defense this season, as I think he kind of took it to new heights. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree that OG probably, just in terms of the uh, amount of different things he can do, probably was a more impactful defender. But Fred was, I mean, not to take away anything from Fred, uh, if you were going to defend a two-on-one fast break, you could choose anyone in the league. You know, some people might say Giannis, 6'11", 7 feet tall. Some people might say Rudy Gobert, maybe, I don't know. But Fred Van Fleet, I think, is probably as effective if not more effective than anyone like his ability like you said he's 5'10 5'9 maybe 5'11 <laughs> certainly not the six foot one he's listed at <laughs> if fred you know is that size and still manages to break up every fast break he doesn't even need to be in front of the ball 
Like he chased down guys in the fast break on like a two on O and still managed to get strips. Like the dude is the defense. He is so strong, so fast, so smart. He's always in the right place. He's Marcus Saul, but like in a, this tiny body that is like maybe even stronger than seven foot Marcus Saul. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just unlikely com- like combination of qualities all stacked together to make this guy you know, one of the best pound for pound guard defenders that's in the league today. One of, sorry, one of the best guard defenders in the league today. Um, It's phenomenal and just so fun to watch, right? It's just a joy to watch him erase guys on defense. Yeah. And it's another one of these sort of situations that I think has come up with Pascal a lot where it's like, oh, Pascal's not doing anything on offense. You got to bench him. But it's like, no, because everything that the Raptors do defensively kind of stems from what Pascal can do. And even when he's having those off offensive nights, the defense is so damn valuable that you just have to keep him out there. It's the same thing with Fred. He can shoot five of 20, but he's probably making like six or seven like game changing defensive plays at any given moment. He led the league in deflections this season. Um, you know, he's just, he's everywhere. And it's just a built in value that exists just by him walking on the floor, even if he's going to have a bad offensive game. And we'll talk about sort of where Fred's offense slots into the hierarchy going forward here for the Raptors into the future in just one second and round this thing out. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball is in full swing. Of course, the NBA and NHL playoffs are rolling along as well. And you've got, you know, the odd events to pop up now and then. You've got golf, tennis. You've got the UFC fights every couple weeks before the next pitch fight uh, face off, tip off, whatever it might be. You go to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as team prep for their runs to the playoffs or through the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That is bet online promo code locked on your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at Built Bar, who are making the tastiest protein bars around. They have nine amazing staple flavors, including the very best flavor, Mint Brownie, which is just an absolute delight. Cherry is really good as well. And they also have a lot of limited time, excuse me, limited time flavors that pop up from time to time as well. And if you're not sure what your favorite flavor is, you can just get yourself a mix box and find out. You got two of each flavors, two of each of the nine flavors, that is, and you get to choose which one you like the most and order a full box or two full boxes, whatever you want. I'm not telling you how many to order. Order 10. I don't care. It'll be lovely. Built Bar would be very happy with me if you do that. Uh, they're great. I, I, I eat them. I, I speak uh, fondly of it because I like it. Uh, you know, if I'm going for a bike ride or something, I'm going to have a Built Bar and I'm going to power myself up with that, not weigh myself down with a heavy meal. It is a great option and also makes it feel like you're cheating a little bit even though it's pretty healthy go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 and get 15 percent off your first order that is the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com all right just before we wrap up and get into our final fred van vliet segment just a heads up tomorrow yasmin dewall is going to join me we're going to talk all about gary trent jr and his part of a season with the toronto raptors and what comes next but lewis we have to finish up our fred talk looking ahead to next season you know it it is a nice thing to have squared away that starting point guard who can kind of work next to anybody 
you know, if they go into next season with uh, not much else in addition, you know, in addition to the guys they have in terms of offensive talent, you can kind of have him be a bigger hub of the offense. If they end up getting lucky and get a Cade Cunningham, who becomes like the de facto point guard, you get a high scoring guard like a Keon Johnson or a Jalen Green or something in the draft, then Freddie can move to an off ball spot and it's totally fine. And he's maybe even more suited to that in addition to being able to kind of handle the ball and do his own thing. You know, in terms of like the team building, do you find that Fred's existence makes the team building process like a lot easier, makes the draft process a lot easier? It's less about need and fit, and it's more just like find the best player because he's probably going to fit next to Fred anyway. Oh, absolutely. And and the thing about that, I mean, how reminiscent is this conversation of what we used to say about Kyle Lowry? Right. You know, when when we were talking about building a team around Kyle. Um, you know, when DeMar was in the fold, DeMar was harder to make fit. Kyle was not. You know, you add anybody, it works with Kyle. And I think Fred has sort of entered that stage where, yeah, I think it's clear that no matter how good Kyle was, you weren't winning a championship with him as your best player. And no matter how good Fred is, I think it's probably about the same area. You know, Fred is a fantastic player. He's not Giannis. He's not LeBron, right? He's not Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no slight to him, but the thing about Fred is he fits along any single one of those guys, you know, no matter who the star you want to add is, it's perfect next to Fred, just like it used to be perfect next to Kyle. And I mean, depending on how this summer goes, may continue to be perfect next to Kyle. Yeah. Right. And, and so the Raptors are in a weird spot, you know, a down year, great draft pick, but they could rest assured that the roster they have you know, in Pascal, in OG, in Fred, that trio will fit next to anyone. And I think Fred is a huge reason why, because of his uh, his abilities he developed this year, his pull-up shooting, his pick-and-roll shooting, his mid-range shooting, exactly what we've discussed, his point-of-attack defense, those, you know, chapters of our conversation actually make up the argument for perhaps best how Toronto could get back to the championship mm-hmm. circuit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Fred is... If you're talking about like the next championship level Raptors team, I think the ideal version of it probably has Fred as like the fourth best player. Technically, he still I think would be sort of the the leader of the locker room and all that stuff, and be the sort of most front facing guy in all likelihood. But you know, if you can find some sort of starish talent to put either at the two or the five, really it doesn't matter, um, and kind of flesh out the core of this team, you know that I think kind of slots everybody into their perfect spot you have Siakam kind of slotting into that secondary role which I think he's kind of established it will be his best spot going forward we have no idea what OG is going to be maybe he is that star we have we have yet to figure it out um but like he's going to fit anywhere anyway because he's a monster who plays defense like a dragon um (laughs) and can shoot threes and do everything else so it, it is an easy very malleable core they have and Fred's a big part of that my question to you is you know thinking about and I talked to Katie about OG yesterday, and we were thinking about sort of the, the path forward here and the potential to add via trade. And if the Raptors are going to find a star, barring a lottery win, it's most likely they're going to find it via trade at some point, And that will likely require trading out a good player on a tradable contract, which brings up Fred Van Vliet. 
what kind of star do you think it would have to take for you to feel comfortable moving on from Fred, first of all? And, like, is that even a thing you would entertain? Is he untouchable when it comes to um, potential star additions? And are you trading from somewhere else on the roster, or Pascal, or whatever it might be, uh, to make that happen? Like, is Fred essential to whatever the next team looks like? Kind of like Kyle was when it came to the Kawhi thing. Like, you know, you could have traded Kyle for Kawhi. I don't think that team would have been nearly as adept uh, to winning a title or anything like that without Kyle. Maybe you can make the same argument for for Fred that if he is the cost to get the superstar, maybe you still hurt your sort of championship equity just by sending him out the door. Where do you think about what do you think about all that? That's a tough question. Uh, I find it hard to unravel my which we discussed my you know ride or die belief in <laughs> Fred as a person. Sure. Um, from my belief in him as a player, so my initial reaction, without even thinking, is one of horror the idea of trading Fred because people like Fred are the reason why I care about basketball in the first place. Sure. All that being said, I think, yes, if you get a guy of the level that Fred probably won't reach, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, Bradley Beal, guys of that level. If the cost is Fred, uh, I don't think you can say no to that in terms of just championship building. Um, if the cost is Fred and, you know, young players and picks, that's when it gets very murky. But we're just talking about Fred. Sure. And I think, you know, the thing about his his malleability, his talent is uh, he'll be good anywhere. I mean, before the Raptors re-signed him, there was talk, you know, maybe he wouldn't be good in New York without so many talented players alongside him. I think it's clear he's going to be good no matter where he goes, which matters not just to Toronto, but also to trade partners. Um, and yes, I, I you know... It's sad for me to admit, but I don't think Fred will ever be at of the level of a Bradley Beal. Um, that being said, there's only like 10 guys in the league, 15 maybe, sure. that I think are of that level. And Fred is the very next tier down. So, you know, let's I'll, I'll still end off on a defend Fred or else type of note. That's interesting you mentioned Beal because he was the one I was going to throw out because of all the guys who might be potentially on their way out. You know, it seems like he wants to be there, so maybe not. But he does feel like the most likely. And I'm not so sure. I, I thought, you know, there was a time where I was like, yeah, trade Fred and stuff for Beal, and that's done. You're happy and good. I think you'd have to have Kyle still on the team in order to make that work because I, I just I don't know if I oh, trust, yeah. like, a backcourt of Flynn, Beal, and, you know, having championship aspirations with Beal on an expiring contract. That feels like a lot. Um, and like you give up a lot with Fred and it's stuff that Bradley Beal doesn't really bring back, right? Like when you traded DeMar for Kawhi Leonard, you were getting all the scoring, but also you were getting three point shooting and otherworldly defense to help supplement the roster with Beal. Yes, you're getting that otherworldly scoring, but you're not getting the defense. You're not necessarily getting the intangible stuff, um, that, that Fred is just like with the institutional knowledge he has with the franchise and all that. And, and I think Beal might be my cutoff where, you know, if you're throwing out Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, I'm probably doing that. If you're throwing out, you know, any number of potential superstars, I I think Beal might be the cutoff where, yes, in a vacuum, he's a better player than Fred is. There's no doubt. But in terms of what the shape of the team looks like, I don't know if a Fred for Beal trade even gets you to the shape of team you want to be. And obviously the, the lottery and everything plays bearing in this, but that's kind of where I'm at there. Is that, you know, like you sort of alluded to maybe yes, you'd say yes to a Fred for Beal trade, but you know, do you, do you kind of understand why I might be a little bit hesitant of that? Yes, I do understand. I complete, I think the Kyle 
angle is huge because you could trade Fred Van Fleet for, you know, LeBron James. And if you don't still have Kyle on the roster, if you're, if you're losing Fred and Kyle, doesn't matter who you're adding. I, I don't think the Raptors are a championship level team. Sure. Just in the way that the roster is organized. So yes, you know, if you lose Kyle and be and Fred and add Beal, I don't think that moves the needle enough. Um, for the reasons you say for leadership, for, you know, for that point of attack defense, which, you know, Fred is actually several orders of magnitude above Kyle at this point. Um, but honestly, I think something Beal gives that Toronto actually has never had, um, not with Kawhi, uh, Kawhi was closest, not with Damar, is just the effortless scoring, no yeah. matter what. Like Kawhi did it, but made it look hard. Beal sure. looks so smooth. Everything is just clean and easy and smooth. And I think you put that alongside, you know, Toronto's defensive um, philosophy with OG and Pascal just destroying everything. Yeah, I think that puts Toronto in a championship uh, contention that I, I don't think they, they have with Fred. Um, Kyle's a big part of that. And, you know, I think it's very easy and very tempting just to say um, nothing gets them there with any certainty. And I love the guys they have. Um, and so run it back without, without that certainty. And I've definitely been guilty of that in the past. <laughs> many, many times I have said run it back. Um, and this team is worth guilty running of. Back. Run it back is good. There's nothing wrong with running it run back, back is good. good. I've yeah. been <laughs> proud of my run it back take. There you go. Um, and, you know, honestly, if you say Beal's not enough, run it back, I am a-okay with that. I, how could I possibly criticize? Yeah. I mean, Beal is the perfect type of player to fit in next to Fred right now. Like, if you had a Fred Beal OG Siakam, like, starting, like, <laughs> the guys who your core is, like, that is really freaking good. And, like, probably flirts with East contention. Like, you know, you probably don't still have the Giannis or the Dick KD or whatever, like, the super-duper star on your team, but that's a really damn good starting point. And that type of player, like a scoring guard, the effortless scoring next to those main three guys is kind of what I'm looking at right now is the biggest need for the team. I know people want centers and everything, but, you know, I still think centers can be dime a dozen, and uh, scoring guards who make it look effortless aren't. And so that's kind of why... When it comes to the draft, also, like in terms of thinking how the fit goes next to Fred, finding someone who is like a like a easy scoring, you know, high usage guy who can sort of take some of that responsibility off of Fred's shoulders is really the dream. Um, you know, that's why I picked Keon Johnson. Spoiler alert in this week's uh, Locked On NBA mock lottery draft that's coming up next week. So um, big spoiler: you know, Keon Johnson, Jalen Green, like those types of guys. I, I'm kind of in as like those might be perfect fits. Um, you know, it's not hard to find a perfect fix next to, next to Fred Van Vliet. He's an easy guy to fit next to because he's awesome. Uh, Lewis, you are also awesome. Thank you for taking the time today. That's going to do it for today's episode. But before we go, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Uh, well, now that I'm um, the editor at Raptors Republic, uh, there's been tons of cool stuff, uh, some cool draft coverage going on from some guys there. It's nice. I, uh, I've, had, I've had lots of joy editing other people's work rather than writing my own it's fun stuff <laughs> uh yeah go check out raptors republic of course the the staple everyone knows raptors republic at this point if you don't what the hell's wrong with you um 
And uh, yeah, go read all Lewis's great stuff. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can listen to uh, Basketball, my other podcast with Katie Heindel. If you're a fan of the Canadian Elite Basketball League, I do the podcast over there every two weeks with Amy Otterbert. We had Vic Razzo, head coach of the Niagara River Lions, on yesterday to talk largely about Team Canada national team invitee Trey Bell Haynes, among other things, if you want to go dig into that. Uh, it's a great time. So uh, thank you for all the support. Thanks for listening to all the stuff I put out. And we'll be back again on Friday with Yasmin to talk all about Gary Trent Jr. Till then, enjoy the rest of your day. Go listen to Locked on Leafs to get ready for tonight's game against Montreal. Game 5, potentially a closeout game. And uh, thanks a lot. Talk to you Friday. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.